0: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs, and now here's your host, Michael Fries.
1: Thank you for listening to this special episode of Road Signs, a podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. Before we dive into today's episode, we'd like to invite you to subscribe to Transport Topics, where you can receive exclusive access to our Top 100 lists, Quarterly magazines, and other news surrounding the trucking industry. To subscribe, visit ttn.ws forward slash You can also text tt subscribe to 571 622 0001 to become an official member of Transport Topics. That's 571 622 0001. In this episode, we will ask the simple question, What does it take to start a trucking business? It may be a simple question, but the answer is complex. That was the premise of our new Transport Topics Road Science Workshops. Throughout the industry, there's new obstacles every day from workforce and business development to broken links in the supply chain. With our Road Science Workshops, we open a direct line to you, the industry professional and the problem solver. With a live Q&A, we allowed our listeners to get engaged and walk away with answers and solutions to their business problems. In this episode, we'll give you a glimpse of our first how-to workshop that focuses on starting and growing your own trucking business. If you are a soon to be or an existing trucking business owner, this debut of Road Signs is for you. To get a better understanding of this question, we spoke with John McGee, founder and president of John McGee Trucking, as he shares his 30 plus years of business experience. Let's take a listen. Welcome to our very first Road Signs Workshop. My name is Michael Fries. I am the Features Editor with Transport Topics, and we are pleased today to start off our first Road Signs Workshop. We're really excited to have this next guest. Our topic for this workshop is how to start your own trucking business. And we have a person when we first approached this this gentleman uh, about this project, he was very happy to do that. He said he had said to us that the the two things that he likes to talk about is trucking and running a business. So he is a perfect guest for this inaugural workshop his name is John McGee. He is the the founder and the president of John McGee Trucking LLC out of northern Louisiana. He, He had founded that in 1991. Started off as a one man in one truck, and he has now built his business over 30 years from his humble beginnings of that one truck, one man operation, uh, JMT as we, as, as we like to call it employees. 26 people has 21 trucks on the road daily, uh, fully equipped shop, and it is continuing to grow as we speak right now. So, Mr. McGee, welcome to our very first road signs workshop,
2: Michael, glad to be here.
1: Glad to have you on, um, you know, just to get everybody uh, caught up to what we're doing here. You know, this is a, a workshop on building your, your trucking to scale. So, uh, you know, we, we definitely want to kind of go into the origins of wanting to start a business and, and, the, and the actions that needed to be taken to, to get that going and also to grow it on, grow it and scale. So that's kind of the, the, the premise. Of why we're all here today and in and, and transport topics, when we have a transport topics, I think would like to thank everyone who has registered for the event and who is participating in it right now. Thank you for for joining us. So, okay, let's dive into it. So, into this today's uh, how to. Which is how to build a, a, a trucking business. We want to, we want to go off into that the high level uh, plan of what you need to do and step 1. Of that particular plan is, is writing a business plan, you know, we all have uh, ideas of writing business plans, um, you know, whether it's for a trucking business or a lemonade stand. So, I mean, there's, there's whole there's a whole bunch of uh, ideas to get across and get them organized, the, uh, of course, to identify your goals and also to articulate your value proposition. So, you know, you kind of want to get those all in together. So, uh, Mr. McGee. Our first question to you is, how did you go about your business plan when you first wanted to start this business?
2: When I, when I first started, I was in the logging and like, you said, I was one man, one truck and my basic plan was just to work. Mm -hmm. I I had no aspirations or dreams of hiring any help or being any bigger. I was just going to get up every day, find a customer and work for them and then. As the opportunities came, you know, as far as the business plan, when we started hiring drivers, we had transitioned into the oil field in the early 2000s. And I guess the biggest business plan we had was financing. You know, we would go to the bank, talk to the bank, and you could we would show them on paper. We didn't really have a formal business plan, I guess, up until about four years ago. And at that point, we started working with our not only our CPA and our banker, but also all of our trucks that we run our Mac mm-hmm. trucks, we started working with our Mac dealer you know, coming up with, how are we going to sustain this? Do we, at what point do we say enough is enough? You know, so we've always basically based it on customer demand. You know, we're not going to grow just to see how many trucks we can have. There actually has to be work for the trucks. Mm-hmm. As far as a written or a formal plan, we never really had one. Let's like say we just sat down and worked with the CPA, the bank and Mac finance.
1: Yeah, it was not, you know, I mean, you know, as we, we were talking before, you know, it's sort of a, a a path less taken when, when, when you had first started. I mean, it was just uh, I mean, you had used your retirement money, right? Just right. To, when, to, I, this- when I first started,
2: that was my. Uh, that was my backup plan. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to try this for a year. Mm-hmm. I've been driving a truck, delivering ice cream, you know, working for somebody else. I love the trucking side of it. Mm-hmm. I said, I've got enough in retirement. We'll try it for a year. You know, We'll make it for a year, no matter what. At the end of the year, if it's not working, you know, we'll just back up and reboot. Mm-hmm. And I was I guess I was 31 years old. So, you know, I was still young enough. I wasn't worried about the losing a nest egg or anything. I did some you know, unprecedented financing. I borrowed some money from a, like a local finance company at 24% interest and mm-hmm. some different things. But within six months, I knew I'd found where I wanted to be. We mm-hmm. uh, were making good money and never looked back. After that, I kind of started trying to squirrel away some money.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, you know, because everyone's path is different, you know, I mean, but, you know, the, the, the qualities of getting there, you know, are sort of standard just, you know, just kind of, you know, you had, you, know, you had a, a roadmap that you that you mapped out and you, you got to, to where you are. And, and as you said, you know, you're, you're saying you're growing and just kind of uh, accumulating um you know the resources you had while you were growing you know can you can you explain to us just sort of you know what you, when you have a trucking company you know breakdowns are, are part of the deal you know and, and just those ancillary things that you have to deal with when you're you're, you're moving transport you know what no, no matter what it is and you, you have to have those resources especially financial resources to to have when those problems arise, can you elaborate a little bit on just kind of having, you know, a rainy day fund or you know, just some of having, having those expenses that you can get to when you do have those problems.
2: And, and that's, that's paramount. I know plenty of people that have had truck breakdowns that have ended up losing their business because, you know, if the truck's not working, you're not making money, mm-hmm. but they're still wanting their loan payment. They're still wanting their insurance payments. And if there's nothing coming in, those are pretty tough notes to swallow if you haven't built up a granny fund. I've always tried to pay myself a salary, and then, you know, when when it's good, just put that money back to where we do have a reserve. Mm -hmm. Now, you were talking about breakdowns. We actually, going yesterday and today, we've had three trucks to break down. You know, one of them lost a clutch, one Mm -hmm. of them lost a... Fuel filter, which required a record to get them off the side of the highway, and then the third one, the drive line came out. And we grind, you know, new equipment. I mean, nothing we have is older than a four years. Nothing we have's got more than three hundred thousand miles, and it's got. We got a full shop and all, but breakdowns still happen. And we're blessed that we have, you know, enough trucks to where we don't lose work if we have a breakdown. We just mm-hmm. lose the truck availability, but we were able to get them in, get them all three. Well, we're waiting on the clutch right now, but we we're able to get the other two trucks already back up and going. But without the wherewithal, you know, without the funds, if you will, to cover it, especially on a smaller operation, I mean, it's it's catastrophic. I've always kept, try to keep 90 days of uh, cash in reserves just for emergencies like that.
1: You know, John. Just uh, you know, I just kind of want to uh, dig a little bit, a little bit deeper into into your answer before we move on. Um, you know, you said you know getting repairs. You know, as a, an operation such as yours, you know, with the with the trucks that you have. I mean, do you do you have an in house maintenance, or do you use do you go to a third party to uh, you know fix you know maintenance issues?
2: We've got two full time mechanics. Uh, the way we work, and you know, we work local slash regional i mean everything we do is with it or 98 percent of what we do is within 150 miles of our shop okay. so all of our trucks come back to the shop at least six nights a week you know we have three trucks that stay out you know once or twice a week they'll stay out one or two nights mm-hmm. but our scheduling is such that the shop gets to see every truck at least one day a week you know while the shop is open So with that, we have our rotation, our preventive maintenance. You know, we got two full-time mechanics. and They keep an eye on the tires and on the fuel and on the air and on the lights. You know, all that's just the routine maintenance. Plus, they do the scheduled oil changes and brakes, you know, the next level, all the way up to – we don't do – you know, all of our trucks are under warranty, so we don't do the major work. But mm-hmm. anything that we can do, just like the clutch, you know, we'll do that in house. So, yeah, we mm-hmm. do. It, probably eighty-five percent of our um, maintenance is done in house. But the only thing that goes outside is warranty work. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah, I just I that's that, I'm, that's always a question that fascinates me, especially when we're talking small fleets and just sort of how they deal with their maintenance issues, you know, just, uh, you know, some people are in house, some people are third parties, some people have a you know a hybrid of that. So it's very interesting to know how, how that's done um, before, you know, once we get out last question, before we get out of you know, sort of the business plan of things, you know, what, what, what is your advice for those who, who are struggling to have a business plan and just kind of finding the, the, the right pieces and parts such like a, like a CPA here, or, or, you know, figuring out, you know, whether they want to be, you know, um, you know, just sort of, um, you know, the the bank, the type of bank they want to use. What, what what is your advice for for those people who are kind of stuck in those particular situations?
2: Uh, and I can't speak for everybody, but with us, you know, we found a CPA that had, was comfortable with the transportation segment of the business, and then we would use a local bank. You know, to where the man that we're sitting across the desk from is the one that makes the decisions. You know, we we know him; he knows us. We've kind of got the same goals in mind. We, you know, the customer because it doesn't matter what kind of business plan you have if you don't have a customer. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the way we got into the oil field was, you know, we had a customer that was coming to us saying, "Can you fill these needs?" Well, that's how we expanded. I guess so I was in the oil field, but I had a customer saying, "Can you fill these needs?" <clears> that mm-hmm. was the opportunity to, to expand. And then that was when we, you know, sat down with the bank and said, "You know, if we, we add." two trucks here and add a truck here, you know, and they're thinking, well, you're gonna, gonna go from a three truck show to eight trucks in one year. But we had the customer, we had the demand, and we were able to make a go of it. Okay.
1: Well it's always important to have that 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 team assembled and 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 knowing what you're good at and and knowing what you're not good at to to, to make things very successful. So Let's go to our, to our next step number 2 just uh, you know legally establishing your your company you know when, when operating your trucking company as a properly structured corporation or a limited liability company or llc that, that sets boundaries between you know the personal assets and the business liabilities just kind of a, a refresher for those out there uh, about uh, establishment a company establishment you know so once you you, you form that L, corporation llc you, you uh, most have to take the following steps. And, and and this is one thing we want to talk about, John, uh, obtaining your EIN, your, your employee uh, identifi- identification number, uh, to open a bank account to, to start off with. I know it's, it's kind of, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's a simple process, but c- could you elaborate on the importance of that and how it affects a, a, a trucking business financial operation? Well, like, like you just alluded to, you know, it's, it separates your business
2: from your personal and the EIN is basically your business's social security number mm-hmm. and right or wrong good or bad there are a lot of things that you have to have the number you know you have to have your EIN number to pay your payroll taxes you have to have your EIN number to file your 2290s and it's it's not that hard or, or at least it wasn't when we did ours you know you would just go on there. I guess the IRS website, and you mm-hmm. get it. But without it, you know, nobody takes you serious as a business. Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of like the difference between a lemonade stand and a convenience store. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can buy the lemonade at either place, but the convenience store is here forever. Right. This is that actual
1: business. <laughs> You know, the, you know, it's it's great that you you made that distinction. You know, just uh, you know, from from your personal experience, you know, you you had said that you had um, started off as a sole proprietor, and then you had changed from an LLC after 20, 20 years being in the business. Um, you know, and that was on the advice of your CPA. Just kind of going back to you know, getting that team around you. And 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 you know I guess maybe you know helping you find those blind spots. Um, what were some of the advantages from going to a you know sole proprietor to becoming an LLC?
2: Well, with us,
1: you know, while I was a
2: sole proprietor, it was just me. But so the sole proprietor, and I don't remember all the schedules, but on the taxes, you know, we were being taxed on a hundred percent of the profit. Whereas once we became an LLC. And I was on a, I took the same payroll, but I didn't have to pay the social security taxes on the profit. You know, we just paid the uh, capital gains taxes on the profit of the company every year. It also gave us the advantage, you know, of, like I said, using the business credit to where we were able to finance trucks in the name of the business versus financing everything in my name, which, uh, you know, something catastrophic helped.
1: Happened protecting some of the legal side of it, and so you know it's um you know it's definitely you know uh, a a muggled mess when you don't have those particular simple things in place when you i mean with the e i n and just getting your your the, the paperwork and, and the the establishing your company it's very important to 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 get that step taken care of you know that 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 starts it off so i mean if you if you misstep on that then you know, i mean you would be in the world of hurt trying to catch up you know um let, let's move on to our our third. Uh, I'm sorry, our third step. Excuse me. There, um, just obtaining the necessary business licenses and permits. You know, there's there's many there's many things involved when when um, when pursuing such licenses and permits. You know, there's there's many many things you know to consider. Of course, you have the CDL, and then also you have the the, the US DOT number. That you have to you know, um, you know have for your your trucks that have that unique particular number, um, and then also you know you, you have your motor carrying operating authority number, and then of course you have a you know a um, ABOC you know three filing as well, and you know, for for some others you you have your RIP which is the international registration plan credentials and the uh, the international fuel tax agreement decal. So I mean you there, there's a whole bunch of other things that that, that need to be involved when. Your, you know, you're obtaining your licenses and, and, and permits. But, um, well, I want to ask you, John: Is should these licenses and permits be acquired in any particular order? No, I, I don't really know. I would think if uh, the
2: purpose of the trucking company is to provide employment for yourself, you're going to need the CDL and the appropriate uh, endorsements on that to start with. The rest of it, like I said, the EIN number just about always has to come first. Mm-hmm. The DOT number, the IFTA stickers, you know your IRP, all of the rest of it. It's it's not that complicated or convoluted. I don't know if there's an order I have to get this before I can get that or not, but it's it's paperwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there's a couple of different companies that are able to do everything in house, and you know the type mm-hmm. of work we do. Every one of our trucks has a Binder with probably two hundred different permits, you know, for everything from where we can haul, where we can drive, and where we can unload, the hours we can operate, you know, the areas we can operate, and so it, it got to where with us we handle it all in house, you know, simply on the economic side of it.
1: So yeah, so you said you you handle all your work inside. I mean, you, you, all of your reporting in house, correct? Right. 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 Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's time consuming, but it, it definitely has to be done to get, get, get everything in order, especially when it comes to compliance and regulatory issues. So right. that's, 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 uh, that's, that's, that's one of the things. But, you know, that's one of the things, you know, when, when you, especially in the trucking business, you know, you're, you're working in your business, but you know, these are the cases where you have to work on your business as well. So that's definitely a, a needed, a needed necessary tool. And, you know, we we're
2: talking about compliance, The I mean, compliance is as is, is important as cash flow, because it doesn't matter how much money you're making, if you're not staying in compliance with whatever agency is regulating you, it's all for naught, because, you know, paperwork will shut you down.
0: Hello, roadside listeners. Dan Ronan here from Transport Topics. I'm here to tell you about our new extended cuts of the Road Signs podcast. If you like what you learn here, I think you're going to really love this. So, what is the Road Signs extended cut? Well, instead of ending the recording and saying our guest farewells, We're keeping our expert guests around for an extra one or two questions to gather a deeper, fuller picture of the influential topics in transportation. We capture that insight and convert it into a printable download that will help you navigate the latest trucking trends and guide your next business decision. Considering the easy, linkable and printable format, you can keep the extended cut for your next big meeting, send it to your friends and colleagues, or pack it up for your next big conference. So how do you get the latest download? Well, it's real simple. Visit ttn.ws forward slash extended cut. That's ttn.ws forward slash extended cut.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. growing a, a trucking business is starting a trucking business you know you have your business plan you established your company you you you're taking care of your licenses licenses and permits now you know we're we're at the one man one truck stage of this right, right now you know we're we're going to you know buying versus leasing the the right equipment there's many fleet owners and and prospective um you know owner operators who um who are are, are, are Battle with that question, you know, the ones that I've talked to you know, about, about buying equipment versus leasing equipment and, you know, the, the proper equipment can make the difference between success and failure. You know, so when we selecting equipment for your trucking company, you know, usually the considerations are, you know, making sure the vehicle accommodates the needs of your cargo. And, and also, like I just mentioned, you know, realizing whether it is feasible to lease or, or buy your equipment. So. I know, John, you've been in this for 30 years, so I know you have a lot to say uh, buying versus leasing. So wh- where do you stand in all this? I've always, when it
2: was, when we first started, you know, we were buying new trucks mm-hmm. and I was running them until I had a million miles on them. Mm-hmm. And I always had a number in the back of my brain, which, you know, when I first bought my first truck, the truck payment was about 1200 a month. But as long as I wasn't spending more than $1,200 a month in breakdowns, mm-hmm. I, was, I was planning on running the truck. And that mm-hmm. was kind of our philosophy. And we did that all the way up until, I guess, about the last, well, I think it was in 2016 when we really started growing. And at that point, we met with some, our uh, truck dealer and some, the bank and Mac Finance and kind of looked at the sweet spot. And we looked at, Leasing versus buying because we were trying to keep all of our equipment under warranty. But with our setup, you know, we'll run a truck four years and it doesn't have but three hundred thousand miles, and we were buying the trucks with the five-year, four hundred thousand-mile warranty, Mm -hmm. running them four years with three hundred thousand miles. We could sell the truck with a year manufacturer's warranty or hundred thousand miles. So historically, that's kind of the sweet spot of the truck, you know, you can get out of the truck with the best return on investment. We were able to do that all the way into, I guess, probably the. 3rd or 4th quarter of 2021 when the. Supply chain kind of, you know, hit the brick wall. So now we do have some trucks, which they're well maintained, but they're Mm -hmm. getting towards the end of the warranty. You know, our. 2019 trucks that we bought the last quarter of 2018, we're going to end up having to keep them into uh, probably the second quarter of next year. So they'll, we'll actually be running a few trucks, you know, that the warranty, the time is run out. They're still low mileage, 350, 360,000. We're not having any trouble on them, but the ones that we, that we were able to sell. And, and it's crazy when you think about it, but we were running brand new under warranty equipment for $1,000 a month. Our return on it, if we paid $140 for the truck brand new, when we were selling them, we were selling them for $90,000, you know, and had run the truck for four years. Okay. And you can't lease a truck for 1000 a month. So, you know, for our corner of the market, the only thing that makes sense is to buy and maintain
1: it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just um, and also with the with the, with the trailers, you you buy them new as well. Well, yes, we buy our trailers new. Now the trailers are a little bit different story
2: because <laughs> probably seventy percent of what we haul is salt water, and salt water is corrosive. We'll mm-hmm. get our trailers with an epoxy liner, but the salt water will still eat up the fenders. It'll eat up the tailboards, boards. You know. Um. So we'll grind the trailers. They have a life expectancy of 10 years and right now our oldest trailers, I guess are about 10 years old. We took two trailers through our shop this past summer and you know, refurbished them. And when I say refurbished, we replaced all the rotted out steel on them. We repainted them, cleaned everything up. The liners on the inside were still in good shape. So we're hoping to get another four to six years. Now we've just begun that process of refurbishing. And mm-hmm. that again was kind of during the uh, COVID and the supply chain, because the prices went from, in a four-year period, they almost doubled okay. you know, in price to where what we were buying for forty-five thousand was now eighty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, rather than replacing them, let's spend ten thousand dollars and see if we can extend the life. So that one's still an experiment in progress but
1: we've got two more trailers we're going to refurbish this next summer all right well well i'll I'll be interested to see how that's going you know that's uh you know you know hopefully it it can give you some savings in the long run that's for sure you know you know john one of the things that we talk about here transport topics a lot you know we i mean you know we always bill our um, road signs podcast as looking at trends and technologies that are shaping the, the the future of trucking But, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about is, you know, uh, alternative fuels, we talk about electric trucks a lot. You know, I, I know that's, that's, you know, way ahead of the curve from where you're standing at right now and everything. But the, 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 the the, the environmental impact is, is, is something that that you're in front of right now. Um, You know, what's your perspective of the potential environmental impact of the trucking industry? And uh, how can new businesses address s- sustainability uh, through the through the equipment that they use?
2: Well, the the biggest thing that we've done. and we're in the oil and gas industry, and you know, and I'm not scared of an electric truck because seventy percent of all the electricity is generated through you know fossil fuels. So it's either oil, gas, or coal that's generating the electricity. So I'll drive a electric truck and haul your oil for you all day long. But the biggest thing that we're able to do simply because of the expense of getting into some of this hybrid trucks, the electric, the hydrogen power, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you have to totally revamp the shop to be able to even, you know, work on them or do anything with them and have a whole different skill set as far as your technicians. But the biggest thing we've done is we started specking our trucks, you know, to to run cleaner, to uh, get better fuel mileage, you know, to be a little bit safer of a truck. Uh, we run automatic transmissions. Our newest trucks have disc brakes on them. You know, we've got the accident avoidance. Where the business we do, a third of our time is sit sitting idle, you know, with the PTO pump running. So our fuel mileage isn't, you know, real great because mm-hmm. like I said a third of the miles were just idling or a third of the hours. But we have gone from four point four miles per gallon five years ago to you know four point seven miles a gallon now, which that three tenths doesn't sound like a lot, right? But you know, spread out over Three truck and three tenths on four and a half is twice of what three tenths on you know seven and a half or eight and a half would be right so that has saved us you know, not only in terms of the cost of the fuel and the maintenance on the truck but also you know greenhouse gases if you will you
1: know that's you know it's very important you know to get those small gains. You know, because especially when you're when you're talking about, you know, a, a fleet of trucks, you know, those savings can accumulate and, you know, like you said, you know, 2, 3% is, you know, at 1st, at is nothing to sneeze at. But at the same time, you know, when you get those, you know, when you, when you get that advantage per truck, you know, that, 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 that fuel savings, you, you'll, you'll be able to realize that and see that. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's 1 of those things that those small steps turn to big advantages eventually. So. You know that's uh, you know it's great that you you definitely keep an eye on that and and and, and an eye on the future as well. You know so you know because you know EVs are coming. You know whether whether some like it or not. So, but um, but yeah. So you know so right there we have we have our equipment. We we decide what we want to do with our equipment and you know in our trucks to see if they're you know feasible and and um, you know we can have some cost savings and fuel consumption savings along the way. But, of course, we can't go anywhere until we have proper insurance coverage and John, you know, when we had uh, promoted this. Workshop 1 of the many questions that we've had um, about this is the insurance Uh, we have. I'll just take. There's many, many people who ask this question, but I'll say Bill Burroughs. He asked this particular question and it's quite simple. Any tips on securing the best insurance for trucks? I mean, there's, there's a lot out there to consider. You You have primary. Liability insurance, cargo insurance, physical damage insurance, and, and passenger accident insurance. How do you navigate through all that? Well, it, it goes back to what you had
2: said earlier, Michael. You know, you what you can do yourself, you need to do it yourself, but you also have to have enough sense to know what you need help doing. Mm-hmm. And you need to, you know, just like a good CPA, a good banker, you have to have a good insurance agent. And there's so many products on the market, you know, it's hard to do a do-it-yourself insurance, and I would just be so scared to try to do anything, you know, online insurance or anything like that, because what defines a good insurance agent to us is I know he's going to show up on the day I write the check for the premium, but I want him to show up the day that I have a claim. You know, whether it's my fault or someone else's fault, when I need help i need help i don't want to you know call a 1 800 number and get somebody that doesn't know me from the man in the moon as mm-hmm. far as the types of coverage now the type of work we do we haul wastewater but we still have to have a cargo insurance now the these people are paying us to get rid of the water mm-hmm. you know, so the water has zero value to them but you know, we have to have the cargo insurance simply to satisfy their insurance requirements the same thing you know our biggest concern is the pollution liability in case we have an equipment malfunction or you know uh, some type of inadvertent release we have to be able to clean it up and you know everything is expensive so we have the insurance in place for that you know we have the uh contractor's liability because the environment we work in you know we're working in Active oil and gas locations, so we have to have the liability in case something goes wrong on our side, you know, to cover all of that. Then we have the general liability, you know, going down the highway if. uh, Somebody is involved in an accident or what have you and then on top of that, we've got our. I'm not even sure what they call it anymore, but. auto coverage, you know, the physical damage that pay for the truck if something happened to it. So we, we're a member of a captive now, but when, before we got into the captive, our insurance agent, he was an independent agent, and he would shop, you know, 30 or 40 different carriers, and we may end up with five different policyholders for each one of that type of coverage, simply because we were shopping for the best price. Now, that we're in the captive, you know, it's a little bit more defined because some of the insurance the captive provides for us, we provide some of our own. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, um, to me, the, it's just like the bank and the CPA, you know, it's. You got to have a good insurance agent.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, not not 1 size fits all, you know, so, you know, depending on, you know, whether it's cargo protection or physical damage or. You know all the liability. You know it's all. You know it's it's when you do get that insurance carrier. You know it's all. It's it's it, it has to be customized. You know I mean it's it's you know to to what you do and and what you're offering and you know the and most important to you know to yourself and the people that you employ. Right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so uh, all right. You know. Um. So uh, the last step in in this. You know, we I I know it sounds simple, but but these are these are the the, the particular steps. That, that, that need to be taken just to, to to get this off the ground to get your business off the ground. And, you know, we, we've gone through the insurance. We've gone through the policies, uh, you know, buying the equipment. Um, but now, you know, we definitely, since we are running a business, we do have to understand and track the income and expenses and, and John b- before I get into this, I think, I think this particular question. There's a, a question. Someone just asked. Uh, um, and I, I think this pertains to the, when, when you're talking about income and expenses. You know, um, and you said you, you you have employees on staff as well. Um, Crystal Stone just just uh, uh, popped up in the in the Q and A chat. Um, She's or uh, well, Crystal is asking, how are you able to find local drivers and retain them?
2: Well, so and we run a you know a local company. And I've been doing this for thirty years. We've got a pretty good reputation and we have drivers you know that are constantly trying to come over here we don't have that many openings and when we do have an opening we'll have eight or ten candidates to choose from most of ours come through reference you know like either i personally know them or one of our drivers knows them and has worked with them mm-hmm. but any of them that come in irregardless you know we do we do vet them we have a uh, Pretty good safety record, and we want to maintain that safety record. (laughs) So we spend the extra money, do a pretty good background check on them. We run MBRs. We do the pre-employment drug test. You know the FMSCA clearinghouse or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. Now we check their references. If you're going to give me somebody's name, a number for me to call, I'm going to call them up and ask them, and Doing all of that, you know, every once in a while, somebody will still slip through, but if you basically, I guess, like Ronald Reagan used to say, trust, but verify, you know, we'll we'll check out what they say, but, and and I believe them. I give everybody the benefit of the doubt and we've hired people, you know, that have had an accident. We've hired people that have never done what we do and we can train them.
0: Mm -hmm. A
2: lot of it has to do with character and integrity. Mm-hmm. Just interviewing them, making sure I, I want to see your work record and your life record more so than your experience per se.
1: Hey Road Signs listeners. It's your man, Mike Freeze, here to tell you that the call in lines are open. What does that mean, you may ask? Isn't this a podcast, not a radio show? You're correct, but we found a new way that you can call in and leave myself or my co-host Seth Clevenger. A message leave us a message on new topics you'd like to hear more about or ask questions you may have about the trucking industry give us a ring at ttn.ws forward slash speakpipe you know we, we we talk about you're in the uh you're in the oil sector and you, you're transporting that from point A to point B and there's a lot of things we've been talking about equipment and permits and licensing but at the end of the day this is still a people business you know so i mean there's still a, a human driver that's taking those things to to their you know, destination and 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 you know vetting a, a, as you do you know it helps you make you know the, the the successful business decisions that you know help you uh yeah you know, point that you're at right now you know um you know as for you know um the 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 income and expenses that you're tracking we we spoke about this you know throughout this this workshop it was just sort of you know hire, hiring a cpa you know we, we we talked about the importance of that um we talked about you know maintaining you know the business expenses and records and, and, and things like that and and keeping your personal and business uh personal finances separate you know and you know we we touched upon that uh quite a bit during during this this workshop and you know we we built this as a how-to john but you know before we before we open it up to um, you know Q and A. Let's let's talk about the why of 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 what you did. You know, just sort of the the why you truck why you're starting a truck business. You know, because you know, seventy percent of all freight in the United States is is, is currently transported by the trucking industry, and um, in and in, in that industry is supposed to grow twenty seven percent by the, the the end of this decade. I mean, by the next decade, and you know, s- such as yourself. You know, um, ninety one. percent of the trucking companies out there out out here today have six or fewer trucks and that means that in this industry it's dominated by by small carriers mid-sized carriers i mean we can talk about the UPSs and and the uh you know the fedex's you know they they are you know they do their service but you know the 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 majority of of trucking companies out there are operations such as yours john you know it's a highly competitive competitive market you know so it's uh you know what was what was some of your whys into that? Because you know, like you said at the beginning, this is you know you know trucking business is not for the faint of heart. You know, and 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 having having that drive because you can you can have these business plans, you can you can uh, you know start off with, with with your business, but you definitely have to have that foundation of why. And and John, what what is your why? Well, uh, for as
2: long as I can remember, I mean, my whole life, I just always knew I wanted to be in trucking. I don't know, uh, I can remember. As a kid, standing by the road, watching trucks go by, playing with trucks. Once I got grown and got married, I had a family that was in the logging business. I saw the opportunity. Biggest thing was, I felt like if if it was my truck, Mm -hmm. I could dictate my paycheck. If I wanted to take off, I could take off if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. But if I wanted to uh, work and make the extra money, All I had to do was work, and I was raised with a good work ethic. Mother used to tell me, you know, if you're broke, you have two choices. You need to work more, earn more, spend less. Mm -hmm. And so, in my whole life, I've learned, you know, the combination usually covers it. Mm -hmm. So, that was how I got into trucking. You know, it was, like I said, just to provide a living for my wife and my family, and I knew it was something that I loved to do. As the opportunities came to us, when we transitioned to oil field, we had customers coming to us. I had several people that I worked with for, you know, five and 10 years. And I thought, well, I've always believed in the golden mm-hmm. rule, you know, doing to others as you would have others doing to you.
1: Right.
2: So I thought, why not hire some good, good men and treat them the way I would want to be treated if I was working. So that's how we started, and I've still got a couple of those guys, you know, that have been with me ever since, mm-hmm. I Had two or three guys that have already retired from us. You know. And so we took it from there, and then it gets to the point to where, you know, now we're able to mentor some of these guys. We've had three different drivers in the last, I guess, four years that left us to start their own trucking companies. You know, and I get to reach out and show them and help them. You no, know, I'm to the point now to where I've got enough people working for me that I don't feel like I have to be here, you know, sixteen hours a day, seven days a week. But uh I can get out and give back to the community, you know, and, wow. and I enjoy that. I got ten or twelve teenage boys that I you know fool with. They're all coming from you know different 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 circumstances that just aren't what you would call the, you know, the leave it to be for family.
1: Right. They
2: got parents that are incarcerated. They got custody mm-hmm. battles. They got, you know, just all kind of struggles. Oh. But I, uh, that's what keeps me going every day. I don't know as far as, I mean, if, to me, I I love it. I don't even consider it a job. I just I just wake up and come to work every day.
1: Well, that's a good sure, feeling to right have, and, and also, you know, just, you know, having former, former employees, having businesses of their own, and then, you know, giving back to the community and helping, you know, helping, you know, at-risk younger men, that's a, that's a great thing when you can, you know, you can start off, as you said, you know, you work for yourself, and then you grew this business, and you're able to help those people that, you know, um, you know I, 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 help those people help themselves. And, and, and continue to do that. So I, I think everyone that's listening, you know, strives to be in that particular position. Um, you know, w- uh, as as for the steps, you know, we 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 we've covered that. Um, you know, but but let's get into our our Q and A session that we're having before before we 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 head out of here. And uh, but our listeners have some questions, and let's go with the first one, with uh, from from Sandy Linder, and Sandy asks. Are there some truisms or tips owners could apply when hiring any CDL for short haul and perishable material or duct trucking?
2: Well, I mean, that's that's the same thing we do. That was what I was saying. I uh, we use we use references, you know, the best that we can and we verify the references, but we also uh, you know, look at all the background, you know, everything that we can not necessarily dig up, but everything that we can discover on your MVR and you know do a background check and, and we have to have a I can't speak for every trucking company, but because of the type of work we do, we have to, you know, do safety sensitive operations mm-hmm. on a lot of these facilities. So we, we kind of have to make sure who we're dealing with. It's not to say that you can't have made a mistake in your life. It just depends on what the mistakes were. But we we do all the pre employment drug checks, you know, all of that. And like I say, our our biggest trick with us is the references. If if you're gonna say call you know call Joe Smith, he knows. Me and I call Joe, and he says I wouldn't hire him to push a wheelbarrow. Now <laughs> that kind of that kind of lets us know something pretty quick.
1: All right, all right. Um, we have a uh, another question from Brent Rogers this is a very good question um you know Britt says we're a small trucking company doing contract work for one customer we're looking to expand and diversify but are struggling to find and gain an audience with the right prospects do you have any advice i wish i did
2: <laughs> we, we have and we've tried to diversify right now we're 100 percent oil field we've tried flatbeds we've tried uh, bottom dumps, you know, holland grain. We mm-hmm. try to hopper bottoms, I guess is what they call them. Mm-hmm. But it is all about getting that relationship. Now, I've actually renewed a relationship here in the last few months, you know, to to move some lumber for a local company, and, and we may re-enter that market. But our biggest philosophy with our customers, we like to under promise and over deliver and you know i'm not going to brag on us but a lot of our work is you know on demand and they'll call and they'll say we need a truck now and i'll tell them i can get you a truck there in an hour and a half and so what we tried to do is beat that hour and a half you know we'll set our expectations low and then we'll show up in 15 or 20 minutes and it kind of helps you to build a reputation, but then you have to maintain it. You know, you can't show up two hours late tomorrow. I right. mean, we're 15 minutes early today, but getting in with the new, cause we're actually, that's the point we're at. We're just with him. We're considering trying to, you know, figure out a way to hire a salesman or something to try to, you know, to, we've got good customers, but there's a lot of competition in our area and our, Businesses so we're trying
1: to hold on to them and trying to figure that out ourselves. Okay, okay, that's yeah, just uh well. well the, the, the people listening right now to our to our um, workshop, the uh, the questions are coming and, and they're very good questions too. I have a few a few more John before I get you out of here. Uh, one one is from Willis Freeman Jr. Uh, from a fleet perspective, what would you suggest the size should look like at a startup? And also, in addition, do freight agents make good trucking company owners?
2: On the second question, I <laughs> I would think yes because you you know you're the broker you're handling the loads you see where the money is to be made. Uh, as far as the size, like I said, we've always allowed customer demand to dictate our size rather than running out. Buying 20 trucks and then looking for somebody to utilize those trucks. You know, we started small and as the customer demand was there, we would add trucks to meet that demand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like on the shop, we'd never had a, I was the in house mechanic until we got, we weren't able to afford a mechanic until we got to eight trucks. Mm-hmm. So there is a sweet spot there. You have to have enough trucks to hire the help. But then you have to have enough work to pay for the trucks. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's kind of a yin, yin and yang, but I would think a freight broker. That would be able to see where the, where the market was moving ahead of everybody else.
1: All right, well, I hope Willis has his answer there. That, that was a pretty good question. Willis. Um, we, we have a question from Steve. He wants to know about uh, your, your business, John, uh, do you have employee. Member benefits. Do, do you have uh, types of benefits that you do, do you uh, employ to your, your your staff?
2: Yeah, we we have real good benefits. I believe uh, now all of our drivers. You know, we pay by the hour. We pay uh, over overtime once they hit their eight hours a day or forty hours a week. The way our shifts work out, most of our drivers average between fifty six and sixty three hours a week. We work twelve uh, hour shifts. You know either four on and two off or five on two off or six on and two off so the split and time it all averages out we try to work a 11 to 12 hour shift then uh you know we have and the market kind of dictated this with us the last few years but we have the 401k with a real good match we have company uniforms we have uh we provide health insurance. We have safety bonuses every month. We have a production bonus, Christmas bonus, longevity bonus. We have these guys get to go home and be with their families every night. And our full-time drivers, you know, start out at about seventy to seventy-five thousand. But we we also have drivers that you know, they'll, all of our drivers have the option to work one of their off days. You know. Till they run out of hours for the restart, but we'll have drivers that might you know, low 6 figures, 110, 115,000 a year. I okay. say they're working 12 hour shifts home every night. Okay. So we, we have real good benefits. We have a real good pay package and that's how we're able to retain the quality of drivers that we do. have.
1: Okay. Well, Crystal, Crystal and Steve uh, appreciate those questions and those answers, uh, you know, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, you got, them, you got them squared away there. John, this will be the last question and we'll get you out of here and conclude this, this workshop. Uh, this is from the Nate Gibbs and the Nate wants to know what are some of, the, I mean, you, you've talked about this a, a little bit, but I mean, but if there's some, some other things that come to mind, please share. Um, what are some of the positive and unexpected outcomes when you first started your trucking company? Well, like I said, when
2: I first started, uh, I guess being able to control my own paycheck. You know, if I uh, I was in the logging business and, you know, I was working for five or six different contractors and if this contractor was slow or if we were, you know, on quota or rained out, I'd move over and work someplace else. The... Uh, I don't know I, I look back now and when i did this i wasn't intentional about doing it but i look back down because i've always thought that uh an honest man's got a chance people act like you got to be a crook to make it but an honest man has got a chance and i've always you know, tried to treat others as i wanted to be treated i was fair with everybody and you know after 30 something years i have people that come up and they'll say i remember when you cut my timber i remember when you did this and so that's kind of one of the long-term benefits that i never really thought i would you know never even thought about but and and i am to the point now to where, you know, like i said earlier we can give back to the community we got five or six different you know local organizations that we were behind you know uh Prokers Against Trafficking, Freedom 13, which rescues women from sex trafficking. We've got a local food bank, and we've got a couple of junior high schools that we support, Uh, you know, and I feel, and I'm not trying to get on the soapbox, but I think that where where society is failing is these preteens and teenagers, you know, these kids that are 10 and 11, all the way up to 16 and 17, but they're basically out here raising their with nobody trying to look after them or show them the right way. And I feel like if we can start trying to turn the generation at that curve, and that's what I'm focused on you know, with all these boys, but trying to just show them the right way to do things. Because if nobody's ever showed you, you don't really know. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but. Right. And, and that's one of the unforeseen, you know, Benefits I've had from having this business. I've worked. I mean, I've worked many a hundred-hour week. You know, we I would drive seventy hours and then spend all day Sunday putting the truck back together that we had tore up so we could go back to work Monday. You know, and done that many a time. And it hadn't been easy. And it's you know a lot of sacrifices. There's been weeks that i didn't get paid so i could pay the drivers you know and and, but that that goes back to you know having a realistic budget that you're going to live on you know not thinking that you're some kind of gazillionaire or something and everything's you know peaches and cream right i don't have any regrets you know in it i i think looking backwards because we've got a Top of the chart CPA, I wish I would had this CPA, you know, 20 years sooner, Because we don't, we've had him like 11 years, I guess, but the rest of it, I've always had good people around me. And, you know, I guess in the big picture, it's easy to look good when you're surrounded by good people.
1: That's a, that, that's a great way to wrap a bow on this, John, you know, um, you, you have been watching the, the road signs workshop or debut of the Work Road Science Workshop, How to Start a Trucking Business. And we have John McGee as our guest to show us how. John, it was a pleasure having you on here and sharing your 30 years of experience and helping our listeners on on the, the, the right path on, on starting a fleet. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you Michael I
2: enjoyed it. And if there's anything else you need just reach out and call me.
1: Sure thing sir. Sure thing. And that wraps up our workshop. Thank you, everybody, for for joining us today, and have a great day.
0: Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics.
1: Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit the previous question in our conversation with John McGee: What does it take to start a trucking business? As I mentioned earlier, it's a simple question with an array of complex answers that go in several directions. As John McGee laid out, this business is not for the faint of heart. There will be roadblocks to overcome, as with any journey of this kind. However, in the Transport Topics workshops, the concern of our listeners have been centered around insurance rates and finally the right resources the two issues that continue to plague most fleet owners as safety, compliance and labor issues still persist across the industry. As our hope with these workshops, we want to provide value in any trucking business venture you might endeavor while giving you an honest and real world view of what to expect in this industry. John McGee gave his experience and stories of how he navigated through this and hopefully it can help you too. Be sure to look for more Transport Topics workshops in the near future. If you enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to reach out to the Road Signs team on Twitter at TT Road Signs or reach me at Michael V. Freeze. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. Also, let us know how we're doing by texting TT Survey to We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Road Signs. Until then, I'm Michael Freese. Thank you for listening. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast.